0: Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, welcome back to The Bailey Hancock Show. Today we have Anthony Corrado who, I think he might have the honor of having a wilder and more random career path than even I have. And as soon as I found this out about Anthony, I was like, wait, we need you on the show. Because when I started envisioning what the Bailey Hancock show was going to be in the the beginning, I was like, you know, I want people that have kind of had these twisty, turvy, weird careers and come out on the other end and like found something finally that like really suits their needs and that they really love, at least for the time being. And Anthony is just, he is that guy. So he's currently the chief technology officer, CTO at Spectar, which is a software company creating augmented reality tools for architecture, engineering, and construction. However, he has had so many different types of positions, including comedy club host, home audio sales specialist, and regional manager for a boutique gold and diamond buying company. Um, and what I love about Anthony's bio is he says he got a degree from Barnes and Noble University. So Anthony, welcome to the party.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I think the show is over. We got it. Right?
0: <laughs> we covered it. <everything>.
1: <laughs> okay. <up. laughs> That's awesome. That, yeah. I'm, great to be here. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. So Anthony and, actually, Anthony and I actually met, um, gosh, I guess four years ago, almost five, when I worked at General Assembly, he was a student in the web development immersive, right?
1: That's correct. Yep.
0: So Anthony was learning about web development in GA's 12-week program. And this was back in the beginning days of GA when we were all such a tight-knit family that we like knew every student and we were super invested. We threw a lot of parties. So we got to know everybody. And Anthony and I have stayed in touch over the years. And You know, it's been really cool to see how you've translated that knowledge you learned at GA into something, and then that into something, and then that into something. So let's, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's start (laughs) back in the beginning. What did little Anthony want to be when he grew up?
1: Oh my gosh, little Anthony, I think... Wow, well, I think when he finds out, he'll let you know.
0: Um, <laughs> He's still figuring it out, too. Still, I
1: feel like I'm still figuring it out. So uh, I, I definitely, I was very outdoorsy when I was a kid. I was always outside playing some sport or another. And that was back in the day when, like, you as a kid, you could go out all day and night and you just uh. hear a whistle and come home safely.
0: Where did you grow uh, up?
1: Uh, Delaware. I actually grew up in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. So might be your first guest from Delaware. Maybe I think you
0: might. Yeah. Well, there's like what 50 people that live there. It's pretty small. It's, it's, I think it's like <laughs>
1: six, 65 or 70 65, now. 65. Yeah. Oh no, no. Isn't,
0: isn't Joe Biden a Delaware?
1: Joe Biden, Diamond yeah, Joe. He is Biden absolutely.
0: And, yep. Aubrey, and Aubrey Plaza. I know those yeah. two. Yeah,
1: yeah you do. They Perfect. often
0: they often share that they're. What do you call yourselves, Delawareans?
1: Ah, uh, I think so. <laughs> I I probably should know that but I think
0: Delawareans yeah that sounds better Delawareans okay so you grew up in Delaware you were an outdoorsy kid I feel like yeah all kids growing up in the 80s were inherently outdoorsy because we had nothing to do inside right there was like kind of maybe TV but that's it
1: yeah 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 exactly
0: it's like Saturday morning Um, cartoons were the highlight the rest was just mess so yeah outdoors (laughs) it was
1: so, yeah, so that was a big part of my childhood. The other part was uh, I was a huge, and it's it's awesome because you had one on your your show. I was I wanted to be a Disney Imagineer. So,
0: uh, yeah, Laura, yeah. that was Laura, what, episode, yeah. I think, five. Yeah, I know, she. I had to have her on because I was like, wait, you literally got to do what everybody grew up wanting to do. Yes. Yeah, pretty cool. That's amazing. What did you think that meant? What did you imagine Imagineer meant?
1: I think, well, I guess when I was younger, so... I had like kind of a rough childhood when I was growing up. I had uh, like I lost a lot of family members when I was younger. I lost my mother at a young age. Mm -hmm. So to me and I had a grandmother who lived in like in Orlando. So whenever we'd go to visit her, we'd go to Disney World. And to me, that was always kind of like the chance I got to be a kid again, because you grow up so fast when you have those things happen. But when I was in Disneyland or Disney World, it was just like everything's magical. It's fantastical. It's, you just forget about anything, you know, you forget about all your problems and you're just like, this is an amazing world. And to me, like that just blew my mind how people could create these incredible stories that just felt like a different world. So I think that's kind of like definitely led to a lot of different decisions I made in my life because it, it put me in that mode of like, I want to create these realities. I want to be like them and create these things that just take people away or just make these amazing experiences.
0: Wow. Yeah. That ties directly into what you're doing now in, you know, slightly a different way, but yeah. in, in directly like, <laughs> and that's the sweetest answer I've ever heard. I mean, you're right. Like to you an Imagineer and that to be fair, I think when you're growing up as a kid and going to Disney world, like Disney Imagineer is the only role you ever hear of. I feel like back in the eighties and nineties, they were either on a show or there was something that like showed what Imagineers were. So you don't think of like, Oh yeah, I want to be head of marketing for Disney or I want to do this. You're like, no, that's the one job at Disney and as Imagineer, but your, your reason for it is, is very sweet and just wanting to give people those escape opportunities to be immersed in a different world. And literally that's what AR is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. Well, you're done. You've hit, you've like come full circle. You can stop, you can stop, uh, you can stop trying to find new careers. Now we found it for
1: you. How boring would life be? That makes me sad. Now I'm sad and depressed. Thanks. Oh
0: shit. It was a great episode guys. Have a, have a nice Monday. Um, no, I'm with you. I feel the same way. Like right now I'm super happy doing what I'm doing, but Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that there's still at least 35 to 40 more career paths in front of me that I haven't even thought up yet.
1: Yeah, that's good. Right. It keeps us going.
0: Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about post high school,
1: post high school, uh, post post high school is interesting because in high school I was terrible student, Mm. Um, very bad grades, uh, missed quite a lot of class, which probably attributed to that. Um, I think ultimately I was never really, I don't know if it was, um, I just wasn't inspired at the time. I'm pretty sure that's what it was and just never really motivated to learn. Um, so that kind of it, it gave me kind of like an inferiority complex because I started to think like, well, maybe I'm not as smart as the other kids or maybe I have like, I'm just bad at school. Therefore, I must be dumb or not, you know, not smart. So that really bothered me for quite a while. Um, and as school, high school was wrapping up, like I definitely couldn't get in any universities. I wasn't really, you know. I'd see all my friends getting ready to go off, and they were talking about these big life changes, and they were moving, and they were going to these universities, and they were picking their majors. And I was like, "They've got it figured out. That's mm-hmm. awesome," and I had no clue, and definitely was not getting into a university. So I kind of I started going to a community college, Dell Tech. If there's any Delaware Tech all stars out there listening, Woo!
0: Awesome. big. I think we have a big segment of the listeners that are Dell yes. Tech alum. Yeah,
1: <laughs> awesome. So I I went there thinking like, okay. It's, it's something to just do. It's so I can say, yeah, I'm still going to school, continuing my education. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured that once I got there, I'd start figuring things out. So I was taking course in uh, architecture, which mm-hmm. now looking back again, it was like, maybe I can build amazingly awesome buildings at architecture school or learning classes. And you get there, then you start sitting down and it's you're learning about fire code and safety and every regulation known to man, And you're like, yeah, this is not what I expected at all. Like, when reality sets in and it's no longer what you perceived like that to be was kind of like hit me pretty hard.
0: Yeah, that happens to all of us. I I went to undergrad originally for journalism and got in there and they were like, "Okay, so in your writing, you need to use, you know, the most simple of words so that a fifth grader could understand." And I had envisioned you know, writing these long form magazine articles that that used. I, I've always loved to write and I've always loved vocabulary. And I was so excited to just use all of it finally. And I was like, wait, what? And to be fair, it was journalism 101, right? So it was talking about the most basic form, but I, I felt the same way. I was like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm out.
1: Yeah. It's good. I feel like most, like, everybody listening to the show has that experience. I feel like we all share that in common, for sure.
0: I mean, college gives you a dose of expectation versus reality real quick, generally. I mean, Mm -hmm. and even on the flip side, for you watching your friends go off to these big colleges feeling like they had it figured out, you, I assume, now realize that no 18-year-old has anything figured out, despite how confident they may be.
1: Correct. Yeah, exactly.
0: And here we all are, right? Like, you fast forward, you know too many years I don't want to count right now but post-college and I feel like most people end up shaking out in about the same way right it's just what happens in those deck in that decade plus after college that's what really changes your career path and defines you as a human it's so little about what happens during those two or four years that you're actually
1: in school right yeah okay
0: yeah, so absolutely. architecture did you scratch it off the list then scratched,
1: yep dropped out sc- scratched it off um couple months later I was like you know maybe it was just because I wasn't mentally prepared I went and tried again same school this time not for architecture just more general uh few this I think I lasted even less time this time (laughs) didn't make it yeah so second time dropped out like I I was at that point I was like you know traditional education is just not for me
0: which is the case for so many people my sister's the same way like you know I went off to University of Florida and did the whole thing and then grad school but I'm abs- I love school and I do very well in like that classroom environment but she always hated it she did community college for a bit wasn't into it and it wasn't until gosh 10 years later she's now in real estate and she has found her stride and she's doing so well but it's such a different learning environment and I you know I hope my hope is that eventually in this country we'll have different kinds of opportunities education-wise to hit all those different learning styles and personality types because we lose so many kids. I mean, it breaks my heart to hear you say like, I just thought I wasn't smart because I didn't do well in school. And it's like, yeah, that's not the only measure of intelligence, but that's what we're told mm-hmm. is the measure of intelligence. And I just wonder how many people are out there that you know, didn't have the drive that you did to like keep trugging along and finding your thing who just kind of threw in the towel and were like, well, I'm just not a smart person. I'm not a school person. I'm just going to do this thing that, you know, is easier or feels like it's right for me. Cause I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, we all, that's why I love the continuing education stuff. And that's what attracted me to general assembly in the beginning was the idea that it was, it was an alternative and a supplement to traditional education, but you didn't have to have gone to college to be able to do well there.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that type of learning, I feel like, is the new generation's learning, like immersing yourself in something that you, a very specific topic that you love. Um, I, it's so different, like traditional. I I mean, I probably won't get into it here. I shouldn't, because I get very fired up about traditional education and how people, how kids are educated today in most, most areas. Um, I think it's a tragedy, but you know.
0: No, I'm with you. And I think it's funny. It's almost like this you know, new wave of trade-based education is by no means a new concept, but, you know, that's how it used to be done. You were an apprentice for a specific topic. You learned something, you learned to trade a skill. It wasn't about going to school. And I think there's a place for general education and for classes that aren't going to have anything to do with the job you do for different purposes, but for getting a job and being hireable, College doesn't actually prepare you for that. It does t- entirely different things for you. But yeah, it's like this modern day vocational type learning is the new version of how it used to be, except this time it's not. You just went into the trade that your father was in and you learn that and you just do it. It's what's going to really interest me and make me happy. I'm going to dive headfirst into that. And you can in a very short period of time for most of these programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So
0: community college wasn't it. What, wasn't what happened it. next?
1: So the next thing, and this is kind of funny because this is a perfect uh, segue, was um, that's at some point, just because I really had that, like, I just was so down on myself because I was like, I don't know, like, I just can't go through school and get it done. And and as I see other, you know, a lot of my peers were starting to uh, already figure out, like, oh, okay, I even know where I'm going to be working out of school. And, you know, at the and of course, you look back and none of them actually did that. But, you know, at the time, like, that's what I saw. And I was like, oh, I, I really got to do something. And I I can't remember exactly what it was, but I I remember going, because this was back, like, you didn't have a smartphone in your pocket. Um, Internet was not what it is today. So I would go, like, Barnes & Noble, and that's kind of what I say, like, Barnes & Noble University, uh, Borders as well, you know, we'll pour one out for Borders, miss that place. But many, many great learning sessions there. But that really became, like, my college. Like, I would go there so many times, like, in between Uh, like on lunch breaks from work, um, after work, on the weekends, I'd spend so much time uh, grabbing books. And it was mostly like nonfiction or like learning or self-teaching books. And I just, I fell in love with the idea that you could teach yourself, like you can learn things that you actually want to learn. You can, you know, you're not just learning a broad range of things that you're memorizing a lot of facts. You're actually getting involved and actively thinking of things. So it, I mean, it helped also No homework, no teacher saying, no, no teacher saying learn this because I, I'm your teacher and I said, learn it. Um, I, I think that to me was amazing because, yeah, it, it just was, it opened up my eyes to, wow, I can, I can not only learn stuff, but I can apply this to changing my life as well. And I think that is why I gravitated to General Assembly when I did. Like, to me, I was like, hey, this is like an extension of mm-hmm. exactly my style of learning.
0: Yeah, man, I I don't know if this is how you uh, attended Barnes & Noble University, but for me, <laughs> I did much of the same thing because I also, I, I've always loved nonfiction and I really wish I got into fiction more because I know that serves such a great purpose for A lot of things. But to me, nonfiction is, it is. It's so applicable. It's self-directed. It's quick, tangible takeaways. But I would just go sit in Barnes & Noble and I would walk the aisles and just pull all the books that looked interesting. And then I would sit down with a cup of coffee from their little cafe and just like pour through the books. And if I wasn't into it, I'd move on. I probably, and this is perhaps... 100% 100% why they are uh not doing as well anymore. Um I would I think I bought one book per like every 30 that I read there which is terrible but you know I definitely I used it more of a library back then but yeah I'm with you mm-hmm. there was something so cool about being like oh my gosh I'm going to dive head first in this one particular topic. Do you remember any of the books that like really stood out to you from that time?
1: I would say most you know it was actually a lot of magazines. Mm-hmm. I think that also um played better with my attention span. So yeah. like I was a huge fan of like Wired Magazine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was a huge fan of Popular Science. I started to really fall in love with science and seeing, I was just a genuine curiosity of how things worked. Mm. So that was key. Um, Fast Company and like Inc. Magazines that also kind of inspired me to be like, yeah, I want to start my own business someday. This mm-hmm. is great. Like, I feel like I want to be in control of my own destiny with a lot of work stuff. And I, you know, definitely this is something that every one of your listeners, myself included, our, yes, we want more control over our work. And I think that was when the first hint of like, yeah, I can have that. Like Fast Company, you'd read an article and be like, I want to be that person. Listen to this. They call the shots. They're responsible. Like if they fail, it's on them. But at least they're the ones, you know, making it happen. They're doing yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, they've got that autonomy and they can really control the direction of the ship that they are captaining, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing for work during this Barnes & Noble University stint?
1: Oh, my gosh. I was doing... So I was, uh, I mean, could have been driving. Uh, I did a lot of delivering jobs. So I delivered flowers, um, delivered pizzas. I worked at- Two things
0: people love.
1: Exactly. Everybody
0: likes to see that guy show up on their doorstep.
1: Everybody. Yeah, exactly. So, um, (laughs) and you know, I kind of got my first taste of like that. I want to start my own business when I worked at, I won't name the pizza company because uh, it's still a big chain, um, but- so on deliveries, like I was, I forget how old I was, but I was, you know, just maybe right towards the end of high school, maybe just after high school. Or no, sorry, it was about a year or two after high school. So uh on deliveries, like I, I worked at a a chain that was a lot of the delivery drivers would on their deliveries would sell other things, not just pizza. And oh. legal things, and that's kind of how they made extra money. And I was like, I, I'm, you know, I'm making pizza delivery money. I could do better than this. So I did something less illegal, which was I had a, I love music, a huge fan of music, so I had just tons of music on my computer from, like the Napster days, we'll say. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, all right, I have an idea. So I'd started burning CDs and just started making like I had a printer, so I put like printed out um, like the the banners for each CD and everything
0: definitely early 2000s
1: oh yeah totally totally yeah yeah. that
0: was like the peak of that there was always the one kid in school that like had a cd burner so yeah they would sell i mean i was i paid twenty dollars for my first custom burn cd with a custom label which i think was five bucks extra
1: yep Oh, you should have came to me. I was I selling them for come, five uh, to 10 bucks.
0: Dang, you were underpricing yourself, man. I,
1: that's true too. Maybe <laughs> if I would have found your show then, then I yeah, could have been right? doing much better. <laughs> Who knows? I might've had an empire record or something. Damn. So, so yeah, that was a, that was kind of a taste of like, oh wow, you can do creative things and make additional money. And I think that maybe planted some seeds for later in life as well.
0: That's cool. But, okay, so, so walk, to, walk me through... The first job you got where it was something you actually wanted to be doing that you were like, yeah, okay, wait, this is putting my skills to use. I'm excited about this. It wasn't a means to an end only.
1: Sure. So we won't get into the details, but at some point I decided to try college a third time. (laughs) (laughs) This time.
0: We can't say that you're not thorough.
1: (laughs) Which... Yeah, that's true. Thank you. Uh, so this one, it was in St. Paul, Minnesota. This time I moved from Delaware. I said, I'm going to change everything. This is going to be it. I'm just going to go and just change everything around me and see if I get different results. So I went for, and I was going for something I actually really loved, which was music. I went for recording, recording engineering. And I, part of it spawned from, I think, back to the Disney, again, like, I really enjoyed creating, like, I wanted to do, like, scoring for films, so making soundtracks for movies, because, again, it, like, played to people's emotions, and you can create a story in music that would affect people's emotions, and that, love that, I just love that. So, I went there, started off amazing, like, I was crushing, I was like, this is it, I'm amazing, like, I'm getting great grades, I'm killing it. And then about, yeah, about almost a year in, I just happened again. This time, I think I just wasn't skilled. The people around me, and I think this is pretty applicable to this show, like the people around me had been in music their entire lives. They played instruments from when they started, like when they were born, they had family in music. And I had gotten in music two or three years prior. And I got there and they knew everything, it seemed like. And I knew very little.
0: Just like technical knowledge even?
1: Yeah, technical knowledge, like ear training, like they can hear music and know what's being played. They can tell the chords, they can hear the pitch. And those like takes years to develop. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's when I started to hit some of those courses. And that's when I was like, I just got very discouraged. Mm -hmm. And Needless to say, I dropped out. Mm-hmm. So for the third time, um, which that's three times, if you were counting out there, um, <laughs> I think that puts my value at three times Zuckerberg. Maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think, uh, yeah, you're well on your way to owning your own company at this point. You've surpassed Zuckerberg, all of the greats, supposedly, that dropped out of college.
1: So, but you'll, you'll like the job I ended up taking. And the reason I left this time also was because I was I was getting to a point where I was like, I was out of money. It was sure, tough. I
0: mean, that's an expensive experiment.
1: Oh yeah, daytime. I took a job. I got a job through, my roommate was working at a company and he brought me in. They really liked me. It was just kind of hanging out and talking with them. And I got the job doing ringtones. I was one of the people that created the original ringtones. Stop it! Oh, a hundred percent. So, like oh back in the day god. when they were like, "do do do do," like when they were just starting to get hip, I would make those.
0: Oh my god! I feel <laughs> like you are part of—I mean, everybody's first iteration of cell phone ownership.
1: <laughs> do you two.
0: do you have any recording still or remember? like any of the, any of the ones that you helped score?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did a couple of like, no doubt. So there's a timepiece there for you. Uh, believe this is crazy to think Maroon Five. I remember doing one of their songs and it sounded so cool. And I'm like, this is a different style of music. That was like, I think that was like 14 or 15 years ago. They've been around for a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, they used to be Kara's flowers before they were Maroon Five. I like,
1: Oh, they're from Florida, right?
0: I don't think, I don't know who they, I don't know where they're from, but I do remember in my, I got on the music downloading train after Napster. I was on the like WinMX LimeWire phase. Um, but I, yeah, I was super into music in high school and Carr Kara or Kara's Flowers was their original band name. And I had a few of their songs and then I remember being in college around like 2003 or four Maroon 5. I heard my first Maroon 5 song on VH1, you know, back when we still watched music videos. And I was like, wait, these guys sound just like this band. I really like, what the hell? They totally ripped them off and it ended up being Maroon 5. But yeah, so they've been around since the early 2000 Maroon 5 as it exists has been around since at least 2003. So yeah, we're talking 15 years now. Yeah.
1: Now yeah. we're dating ourselves for sure. Yeah,
0: well, it happens. It happens, <laughs>
1: it's all. We're still
0: here, that's a good thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'd much
0: rather be getting old than not. That's <laughs> true. Okay, so Maroon 5, no doubt. You're in, so you're doing basically, there's the text tones of these popular songs.
1: Yeah, so I would listen to the music and then I'd have a keyboard in front of me and you play all of the instruments like independently. So you'd kind of match the chords and you create, they call it MIDI, which is just like a digital form of music. And then that gets uploaded at some point to the servers and then people buy them. Like it was like 99 cents or $1.99 for premium tones.
0: I had um, Janet Jackson like that was my ringtone and i can't hear that Mm -hmm. song now without getting that stress of my phone ringing because literally i had like the midi version of that song for a good year so yeah i'm guarantee you uh i bought one of those ringtones for sure heck yeah that's that's pretty cool and look you were doing the ear training thing on your own you right realize that yeah. right like you just you like screw it I can't do this and then you went and got a job and did that but in a different way
1: it's true yeah like yeah sometimes you we all know like we're our own harshest critic and sometimes of we beat ourselves up so there's a good example of yeah you can yeah even if you don't think you can do it chances are you can do it right
0: well and it doesn't always come in the package we think it's going to right like you were trying mm. to go to school for it but you don't always have to get a degree in something to be able to do it. Usually you don't actually, I think people that want to go back and get their MBA and everything like, no, just go get management training. Just go be a manager. Like, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about grad school, probably the way that you do about undergrad, but, um, just because I'm still paying off those damn loans and I'm not doing much with that information. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't always come in the form you think it's going to, and you can scratch your professional itches in so many different ways.
1: Yeah, agree. And I think that taught me too. And I, it's easy. Like at times I used to say like, well, I wish I would have known school wasn't for me sooner. I would have saved a lot. But I I honestly think that played into like those failures and that kind of experience played into like, it gave me so much fuel and motivated me so much and gave me so much passion to, to start becoming such a very like diligent self learning. Like that's what I love to do now. And I think, I I don't think I would have had that passion if I didn't go through those failures so well
0: and i think there's power in quitting things i'm a big fan of quitting things because it means you're being honest as long as you're doing it for the right reasons i think if you're quitting something and it's because you've identified okay this isn't going to get me where i want to go or this isn't quite the right fit then that's showing that you give a shit about your happiness and about your professional development there's a lot of people that just stick it out for the two or four years of college to get that piece of paper but they're not learning anything they're not growing they're just trudging through day by day by day, semester by semester, spending either their own money or somebody else's, and it doesn't really do them much good. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't even count those as failures. I think they were lessons. They were learning opportunities that kind of pointed you more towards something that, you know, obviously the self-directed learning for you is so much more valuable and it's um, more efficient for you to learn that way. And hell, it's a lot cheaper. So <laughs> I think you did just fine.
1: All right. This is, good. Okay. this is great pep talk.
0: Yeah, right. This is <laughs> therapy. We got you.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> okay. So you obviously didn't do ringtones forever. What did I that did lead into?
1: That led into a comedy club. So you mentioned the comedy club earlier.
0: Walk uh, me through that jump. <laughs> walk me through
1: that jump. That was just a jump because um, the ringtone company got acquired by a different company. That was kind of the first startup experience I had they, it, you walked in and it was like from a movie. Like it reminded me of the movie big with Tom Hanks where you go in and there's a keyboard on the floor and there's like foosball. And it was kind of before it's time, like startups yeah. were just starting to get to that level, but it was like that. So we kind of, I was like, Oh, well that, you know, that was an interesting uh, office, but yeah. So they got acquired and then I ended up, uh, they, they pretty much let go a few of us. I was one of those. So I didn't know what to do. Um, and I saw an ad when I was at the Mall of America. So if anybody's been to Minnesota, it's like it was the biggest mall in the world.
0: Is it not anymore? No, I'm sure Dubai. I think it's
1: second big yeah, Yeah. I think it's second biggest in the world. I've still
0: never been, but there's a theme park inside, right?
1: There's a theme park, a roller coaster. I feel like it
0: made the rounds on every TV show and kid movie like in the nineties. So they really had a great PR campaign around that. But I never I haven't made it there yet. One
1: absolutely you will, yeah there so there was there was an ad at, there was a comedy club, and they are like hiring, so I was like well i I don't have a job um I want to be funnier so <laughs> i'll go to, I'll work at a comedy club so i wasn't uh so I, would, I ended up getting a job there, and I was kind of like the do it all person, so I was the host that would sit behind like the d j booth so I wasn't on stage telling jokes like I wasn't an opener, but I was at the d j booth and it kind of helped because I had like an audio engineering background, so I knew how to work all the gear and they're like well also you have to announce the com- like the comedians and i didn't know that when i took the job and i was like oh okay so i gotta like there's gonna be hundreds of people in the audience and i gotta get on the mic and be like ladies and gentlemen <laughs> and uh, i loved that and it was so much fun so it, it was cool because seeing so many different comedians and they had a lot of people there like from bob saget to uh some of like the local scene and midwestern comedians were there but you got to see like it just how people connect with audience mm. members And it was cool because I learned some lessons about connecting with people through a comedy club, which seems strange, but it's one of those things like, right. So you get these weird experiences in your life or you do weird jobs, but they teach you a lot about things you'll use in the future. So it was cool to see like, here's a room that didn't laugh at all for the first comedian. Second comedian gets them cracking up. They found a way to connect to that room. Like that's Mm -hmm. so important in presentations and sales. Um, So uh, that was a lot of fun. It paid like nothing (laughs) and it had weird hours because it was a comedy club. So it wasn't that wasn't anything I was going to like make something out of like I was kind of going uh yeah broke at that job so that led me, I had worked in restaurants sprinkled in throughout my, my life. And I know you, you're a restaurant person. I feel oh, like yeah. we all kind of know, you can kind of recognize restaurant people somehow. they you we're know, just
0: cooler, you know, it's just, just something cool. like that. It's well, you, you either go restaurant or retail and it just depends on what that first job in high school was. Was uh, it at the mall or was it at TGI Fridays? And right. Depending on, which is also at the mall usually, but um, <laughs> that depending on that, that kind of sets the tone because it's hard to get in to either of those gigs the later in life you go. They're like, sorry, if you don't have restaurant experience and you're 25, you're shit out of luck. Like, You should have started back when you were 16. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm forever grateful for my restaurant experience because I do feel like if everything went to hell, I could still go get a bartending or waiting job and mm-hmm. be okay. <laughs>
1: And it's like, doesn't it teach you to appreciate other people's jobs when you're living off of tips? Like you start to have a different appreciation for other people's work.
0: Well, there's no better training for interpersonal communication and customer service and problem solving and maintaining a level of professionalism when you want to do anything but Um, I'm sure, I mean, we all have horror stories or just hilarious stories of shit that customers said to us where we had to just be like, you know what, let me go ahead and get my manager. I'll be right back. Just hold tight, okay? Absolutely. (laughs) And then you walk away around the corner and you're like, I'm gonna fucking kill this person. (laughs) Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh man, my favorite actually uh, was one of these jobs I had. Uh, had these windows where there were booths and people would sit next to the window, and you could see across the street, obviously, to the other restaurants and bars across the street. And one time, a lady said, "Hey, I'll have the happy hour special." And I was like, "Oh, we actually don't do happy hour here." She's like, "I can see the sign; it says happy hour," and she's literally pointing across the street to a different <laughs> restaurant. I'm like, "Ma'am, you know that that's." That's not how this works, and she's like, Well, if I can see the sign, it means you have to honor it. I was like,
1: Oh my god, oh, let me
0: get my manager, I'll be right <laughs> back. Sit tight, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Great experience and a great fallback, and you really do learn so much.
1: I love it. you, yeah. I love how you just everything that happens, you turn it positive and make it cheery and happy, and I love that about you. Like, it's well, so awesome,
0: you know. What's the alternative? Like, trust me, I go and I go through optimistic and pessimistic phases of life, but as it relates to your career, like For the most part, we are all stuck having jobs, which I'm thankful for. I love working um, when I'm in the right situation. But there's always going to be shit. There's always going to be parts that just suck, that don't go the way you want. And you can either sit in that and be grumpy about it and and feel like, woe is me and the world hates me. Or you can be like, okay, what's the lesson here? What am I learning? What can I take from this that is going to – because if you think of it this way, which I do – you get faced with situations and with negative people and with hard times and with sad times. And it's all for a purpose. I choose to believe that that it's for a purpose because otherwise that feels very sad and lonely. Um, but if you think of it as a lesson that's being served to you, if you just, if you don't learn from it, then I, I have a feeling it, it keeps coming back and mm-hmm. keeps coming to you. And to me, I'm like, okay, I better learn from it this one time. So I don't have to go through this again. And you know, I, and I do think you go through, Similar hard times. It's just they change, you know, the packaging changes a little bit and you have to learn maybe something slightly different from it <laughs> mm-hmm. each time. But it's almost like in a video game like you level up, right? Like when you're little, you know having a boy like throw a rock at you. You realize like, Oh, this means he likes me. Well, that's confusing and weird. And then that prepares you for high school, which prepares you for college, which prepares you for adulthood. And then suddenly you're going through a divorce. You're like, that's fine. I get it. You know, whereas yep. if you, if you hadn't learned those smaller lessons along the way it would be a much bigger deal. But, I don't know. That's that's the Bailey philosophy on life.
1: <laughs> I like that. And you taught me something. You taught me, do not throw rocks at girls I like still.
0: Please don't throw rocks at girls. I know? didn't and know it, that. And if you're a parent, please treat <laughs> your boys better. <laughs> girls deserve better. But that's I'm going
1: to stop mean. throwing I'm rocks now. Perfect. So, yeah,
0: please stop throwing <laughs> metaphorical or actual. <laughs> okay, so where are we now? So you are at the comedy club. That's mm-hmm. obviously not going to be a forever gig. What's next?
1: Did some restaurants. They also weren't a gig. I started, so I wanted to be like, at this point, I'm like, I want a job that actually starts to make me money. Like it's, I'm at an age now. I want to say, I don't remember, maybe 24. Nah, no, I was a little older than that. Uh, It's mid mid 20s. And I wanted to start really, okay, I want a career. I want to make money. So I got a job in sales through a girl I was dating at the time. Her brother-in-law was like a a top dog at a sales company that was selling like home audio and I went there and I thought like I, I was terrible at sales. Like this is an example of like, or one of those things I had a job when I was in high school that I had to like kind of sell something. It was almost like a, not a best buy, but it was like a local type of best buy. And I was so bad at it. Like I had no idea what I was doing or anything. And I don't know how much I learned until that time or when I got to this new sales job and I got there and I sucked right away, like was terrible. And it was like, all commission. So I was like, yeah, so there's some more fuel to understand, like, I better get my ass in gear and start learning. Went back to like Barnes and Noble, picked up books on sales. And one of the things that's worked so well for me over the years is don't, you don't have to read an entire book. You don't have to get through the whole book front to back just to say, okay, I read that. I should know everything. I would just read it, read maybe three or four pages, pick out two or three things. And then that entire week I would spend actively putting those three things into use Mm. and as you do that like you just start to slowly build up a skill set and it works like it really works so um at sales like i started to see like okay my paychecks are getting a little bigger this is nice um there was also a guy there that it was actually uh kind of became my mentor in sales and he's the kind of mentor you would typically look at and be like oh he shouldn't be a mentor to anybody (laughs) he would like he would show up be drinking on the job like just kind of you know whatever but the one thing that he did that I to this day I don't think I've seen anybody as well he connected with whoever came in that door Mm. every one of his customers he would know their names their kids names they knew him they would refuse to work with anybody else he just found common ground Mm. and you look at him and it's one of those things like he would just he would throw away all the bs all of the stuff that you learn in training manuals and just talk human to human with people that came in the door and once you have a conversation with somebody for a few minutes and they put their guard down you have your guard down you just talk about regular things and before you know it at the end of it they're like what do you think i should get and you'd be like i would do this like i have something similar it works well you'll be happy okay i'll buy it and it worked time and time again and it just showed like it was such a great example of like Sometimes like, don't be so formal, like put the clipboard down. You don't always have to be doing everything by the book because in most cases, like that's how people put up their defenses when you're talking to them. Like just relax, understand on the other side of that face is somebody who's just like you Mm -hmm. who, you know, has compassions, has empathy, has similar situations that have happened to him, them. And if you can find them, like you can get on a sales level or a relationship level or a networking level that you just can't get otherwise.
0: I mean, that's everything connecting with people quickly is one of the best skills anybody can learn in life for everything. Like, you know, with my collaboration consulting clients, we talk a lot about that. Like, how can you cut through the bullshit and through the niceties to like learn something about that person standing in front of you quickly? I mean, this works in networking situations, business development, sales, like anything where you're trying to know who that human being is in front of you because that is what people remember. I mean, it's the mother Teresa quote. They won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you make them feel. And if you can make them feel like they're not just a customer or a part of your commission or that they're not a pawn in whatever it is you're trying to do that evening, if it's networking, there's such a difference between people coming up to you saying, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm, I'm doing this. Like, here's my business card. It's like, okay cool. Like that was basically just like a human version of a billboard. Whereas if you walk up and you're like, Hey, I'm Bailey, you know, what are you here for tonight? Like, I'm here for this. Like, God, isn't this awkward? Da, 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 da. Like, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Like you immediately start trying to understand who they are in even broad strokes like that, like asking where somebody's from is one of the best questions because you can say, oh, I know somebody from there. Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to visit there. Or, oh, my favorite restaurant I've ever been to is in that state. Like you can find some sort of overlap. I always say like, look for the overlapping piece on the Venn diagram, right? The two circles. What is that overlapping piece between the two of you? That's where you start and that's where you end because that's your commonality. And people People very quickly will fall in love with with you as a person if you can find that overlap and make them feel seen and heard. And everybody's just looking for familiarity, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I mean, good. That, I feel like he was he was uh, in what is it the um, the three ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. <laughs> That's the drunk one for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, right. Lessons were learned, and lessons was, were learned,
0: and that's you but. know that's all that matters. Okay, so did you start getting better and better at sales?
1: I did. I started to get much better. And Now I was finally for the first time like, okay, I'm making good money. Like it feels good. Um, I I was enjoying it most of the time. I was enjoying it. It still kind of got stressful at times because being on commission, the ups and downs. You know, it's like you and freelance, and totally. you do that. Like you you. Ultimately, you feel confident that I'm going to keep this going. But at the same time, if you know that there could be huge, like dry spells in front of you. So, um,
0: well, and I love that you were also back in music or not music, but music adjacent and audio technology. Like you've yeah. never fully left. Like you've always kind of kept a little toe in there.
1: Yep. That's true. And, and it, I mean, essentially in sales, you're, you're painting a story. It's not, your goal isn't to just, you know, I always looked at it. You create a win-win for people. Like it's not, you're not going in to see how much money can I make from them. That's not the right way to do it. You're never going to succeed long-term. But I like the concept that was always like, you want to build a story when you're selling something. Like you don't want to just say, talk about the feature. Um, hey, this can do this. This has a frequency range of this. Like people don't really care about that stuff. But ultimately for like, this speaker will sound great. So when you have the kids over for movie night, like it's going to sound like you're in the theater for a fraction of the cost. Mm-hmm. Like you can make your own popcorn, no $18 sodas, sit in your living room and enjoy these amazing speakers with your family on family night. Like that's an experience. And that to me was like, ah, I loved like that whole storytelling aspect of sales.
0: You're helping them create an experience. Bingo. Look at you. Oh my gosh. Okay. What next?
1: What next? I, speaking of networking, uh, this is where I was at a poker game at one of my friend's poker games and his uncle who had was an entrepreneur who had a bunch of different companies. He had worked at a bunch of different companies. I had met him at this poker game. We chatted. He something about him really stuck out about him. Like, he really knows the stuff when it comes to business. This is somebody I want to keep in my circle because he's he's cool, he's friendly, and he's got great experience. So we continued to keep in touch for months after and months after. And he would always tell me about his new ventures that he was working on. And one of them was like, okay, so I started a gold buying company. So this is cool, gold buying, which Uh, and how it worked was it's, I know cash for gold. If you remember those days, right? Oh yeah. Like MC hammer or just hammer and uh, like Robin Leach were like the face of like the mail in your gold place. Yeah. Well, we were like a brick and mortar store. We were actually a location. It was one of the first locations to actually just be a gold buyer. And our thing was a lot of people had this negative connotation of cash for gold. Sell us your gold. Oh, it's going to be a grimy like shop where they're going to have to buzz me in. There's going to be an armed guard. We completely blew their expectations out of the water with this company. And this has started. So he's explaining, like, he's like, you wouldn't believe it. He's like, you come in, it's like a spa. It's like you're coming in to get your nails done or you're coming in to get a massage. And people just relax, have a great time, and they sell gold. They make money that they never thought they were going to get because it was old jewelry sitting in a drawer somewhere. And then we make a pretty hefty profit. He's like, it's working. Uh, The first store actually was in the Mall of America. So another tie into the mall. And he was like, look, it's going so well. They had been going at this point for about a year, maybe this venture had been going on about a year when he reached out and says, we're thinking of expanding. We, you know, we know he's like, I like you. I think you can do a lot of good things with this company. He's like, I'd like you to come on board. And I was like, absolutely. Like, I know, I don't know what it's going to turn out to be, but his, his saying, and this is cool. I still like this saying he was like, he's like, when you dive into the deep end, he's like, I can't guarantee you can swim, but I guarantee you'll get wet. (laughs) you know what I mean like you you're gonna dive in you're gonna get wet but whether you can swim or not you'll find out once you're in right
0: that's great is that what attracted you to working for him that experience
1: yeah I I think that he had an attitude of like it may not work at all or it could be wildly successful but do it and you'll find out like I can't tell you what it's gonna look like and he was unsure and I like the fact that it was kind of one of those things where I'm a firm believer of taking like when you take no action is worse than taking the wrong action. Totally. When you make the wrong action, you at least see, oh, it was wrong. What could I have done different to make it right? But when you don't act, you don't get any feedback. You don't learn.
0: Oh, but so many people live their lives that way. The the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. They I when I, I sent out a big email to my list a few months back asking, like, what's something that's holding you back from going after a career you love? And the majority of the spons- responses were, well, what if the thing I go after ends up being just as bad? And it's like, well, then you've literally lost nothing. And the percentage of that lo- being likely mm-hmm. is so low. What do you ta- but people in action feel safer, feels yeah. more comfortable. But for people like you and I, that feels like death.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It's it's one of those things of life that it's sad that people will put up with a job that they hate just because the fear of change and the unknown and new things sounds scary enough that it's that scary enough part is greater than them feeling like shit every day at work, which mm-hmm. is sad. But that's, you know, what happens to all of us at some point, some of us kind of find that once you step through that door, we're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, okay. And you just continue to do that and each time it happens again you have that opportunity like i've been here before i can walk through this door again yeah
0: i think it's you're right like you almost have to get over that hump of fear the first time and then you see that well a i'm still alive i didn't die from making this you know big move um and b i am better off even if it's not an astronomical difference i am somewhat better off i've learned something I like this slightly more. And then you just kind of keep repeating that over and over. And I think that's honestly the key to being happy in your career for a very long time is being willing to sort of take those risks and get over that hump of fear and And knowing that trusting in the fact that like, I've been here before, I know that it'll be okay. So I'm going to take that risk again and again. I mean, that's why you and I have resumes that don't fit on one pages anymore, but (laughs) still, um, you know, and I think there's somewhere in between obviously, but besides having one job your whole career and 15 plus by, you know, 12 years in. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, you know, there is somewhere in between. And I think that's the happy place for most people is, is making sure that you're not staying in something out of fear for the change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. agree. And all right.
0: So you're, you're in the gold industry now. I'm
1: in the gold. I, am in the, <laughs> and I, I couldn't tell you when I took the job, I couldn't tell you the difference between 14 karat, 18 carat, no idea what that meant. I heard it, I, you know, growing up in East coast Italian, I had that
0: <laughs> obligatory
1: gold chain when I was younger that every Italian has on the East coast.
0: I think you get one when you're born, right? They I'm just put sure it around you, your baby neck.
1: <laughs> I think you're born with it. I think it, you actually come out, come with, out it on. with
0: a gold chain. <laughs>
1: pretty certain. Um, <laughs> so I didn't know anything about gold, but I just knew that it's a, it's going to be different. Like it was an opportunity that was like, if it fails like i could find a job in sales i'm pretty sure and again like like you were just saying it's like a perfect example like i figured at worst i'll end up back where i started before the like the journey and that's not so bad right. so i dove in and i was working in minnesota for about six months maybe a year doing this when the decision we finally because they had a, t- they, the goal was to open new locations because that one was doing so well but just with like uh, taking time to get all those up and running took some time. So, but we did get the ones open in uh, California, which is how I ended up here eventually, which I'm in Los Angeles you, now. How you
0: showed up in LA.
1: Here I am now. doing The gold this.
0: rush brought you out. The
1: gold rush. And it was a gold <laughs> rush. And the gold, because this was around 2008, 2009. And this is when the, like, the mortgage crisis, the housing crisis was happening. So gold was going through the roof. It's crazy. And it was so fun and chaotic. Like it was so chaotic at this job. Like we were buying gold and we had no idea. Like we were literally putting it in under counters in like glass jars and just leaving, I mean, an enormous amount of gold. We didn't know what to do. So we just throw it in glass bins. And at the end of the day, we'd dump them in a bigger bin and they'd bring it to the refinery in town and melt it down. And like it was all like Lord on the fly. Like nobody knew what they were doing for the most part, but we all kind of like would see one thing that worked and build upon it. And the funny thing is when I first started. Um, I was helping to, it's really funny cause we hired, there was a couple people who got hired at the same time. I was literally being trained in the morning and turning around and training at night. <laughs> so <laughs> I, everything I'd learned in the day, I'd have to internalize it and then be able to teach it later in the day. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was so much fun though.
0: I mean, I and, don't know about you, but that's how I learned best is teaching other people.
1: Totally. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Uh, and it, the good thing that i realized and this this happens throughout my life is that you you realize that skills that you've developed in completely unrelated industries even though you feel like you're going into a whole new world they are so they carry over so much of it transfers over and once i started getting in front of customers at the gold place like it just felt like sales it was just mm-hmm. it felt like old hat like i was back just talking with people having a good conversation at the end of it be like oh yeah would you like to sell your gold absolutely. This is fun. I love this. I'm going to tell all my friends about this.
0: Well, and I feel like that's such an interesting venue for sales because you're asking them to part with something that potentially has a lot of meaning to them and it potentially in a very stressful situation for them. Like those years, I was one of the people that got sucked into the housing crisis. I bought a home and ended up doing a short sale on it like two years later in the peak of all of this. And so yeah, it was a very stressful time. And if your chances are, if you're coming to a cash for gold type place, no matter how lovely it is, (laughs) you're in a place where you feel like you need to. So I'm sure having a friendly person who was more made it more than just transactional was a hugely important part of the process for these customers.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was just connecting to the human. The rest Mm -hmm. takes care of itself.
0: Yeah, it really does. And it's funny, I'm so glad you said that about the skills transferring because that's something I harp on a lot is like, you're never starting over. You couldn't start over if you tried because you are the combination of all of the skills, all of the experiences, all of the people you've met, everything you've ever done and learned in the past does not just wipe clean when you start a new type of role or go into a new industry. It's just, you know, it's transferred in a different way. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, everything you had done up until this point was building up to you being great at this job you know even teaching yourself in barnes and noble that i think if you can self educate that's such a great skill to have for your entire life because it means you don't depend on somebody else to teach you but it also means you know you had brought up you don't have to read the whole book just like take some key learnings away i think when you can distill a couple takeaways from a body of knowledge and that could be for you in this situation like learning from somebody in the morning and then turning around and teaching to somebody later that night. I don't know that you could have done that, or at least not as well, had you not spent all that time basically doing that for yourself in the aisles of Barnes and Noble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is very therapeutic, by the way. I appreciate this. this well, it's, is
0: good. <laughs> it's funny because this happens from time to time when I have people on who you don't often look backwards, right? I mean, Of course, you know, like the key plot lines in your own career story, but sometimes it takes saying them out loud to somebody else to be like, holy shit, that makes sense. And that connected to that. And wow, I've never really strayed too far. You know, you don't know the connections until you look backwards. And I think that's something I cling to a lot when I'm feeling lost in my career or just totally confused on what to do next. It always feels chaotic and random in the time but when you look back, it's almost never random. It's almost, it almost always has a through line, right? And yours, and we're not, we're still 10 years away from now, right? Like yours has always been connecting with people, like teaching yourself, sticking somewhere in and around music or creating experiences for people that make them feel good, even in times of hardship and sadness. And like, that's, that's been your through line this entire time. So yeah. It's pretty cool to see.
1: Thank you. This is yeah. I'm getting like free career coaching. Being like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. You're connecting dots that I've never seen before. So,
0: well, you have a really cool, this is why I wanted to have you on because even when we were just chatting at coffee, I was like, man, I don't think he knows how interesting his career path has been. And I find it fascinating to hear people's stories and see things that they don't see because it's like, no, look, you you some deep somewhere deep down inside of you knew what you were doing this whole time right? you were following your instincts. You were, you were kind of picking up on clues that maybe you didn't even know you were picking up on. And like, even these mentors and people that gave you a chance, like they were doorways and you chose to walk through. You didn't have to, you could have stayed in your hometown doing whatever it is that you felt like you could do easily, which a lot of people do, but you kind of walked through those doorways and you said yes in times when it would have been easier to say no, because it was unknown. So all right, bring us up to speed. Us, we've got like speed. a decade left still. And I'm like, oh we need like eight parts of this podcast because yeah, it's oh been no. so interesting. Okay, so awesome. you get to LA. I think that's a I'm in
1: LA, point. yep, yep. So in California, it started off in Orange County. So in Brea, I love Brea, by the way. Shout out to Brea. Um, so things were going great. It was crazy, it was chaotic, it was hectic. I had really stepped up to be like people throughout the entire company. We ended up having like 13 stores, uh, two or th- uh, over 200 employees at this company, and it started like at eight when I began, I was like the eighth or ninth employee. And it was fun because I became like people would call me from different locations and say, Hey, I'm dealing with this customer, how would you handle it? So it was kind of awesome, like to have that, like people recognize your abilities and were reaching out to me. And over a few years, what was happening though was gold prices started to settle down, things were starting to no longer be the news, like gold was in the news every day at that, like for a while. And once it started to lose, it's like, it was just, it wasn't in, it wasn't hip. People started, uh, like the business started to slow down. Like we had been in rapid growth, the chaos, um, figuring things out on the fly was so much of the fun because I was learning something every single day and being challenged. Once it started to transition into now I'm just showing up at work and punching a clock. That's when things really started to get back to like a, yeah, this is not what I want to be doing. I'd show up and half of the day I'd sit on a computer and just read articles. Um, Great, because I got free, like I got to spend time learning new stuff while getting paid. But it's still like it definitely lost a lot of its luster. And um, some of the stores started to like uh, lay uh, cut back on some of their employees. And then I I was put in positions where I had to let go of some of my favorite people because we just were a shrinking company. And that was like, I was like, I, yeah, I just don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, if I stay here, it is cushy. Like, I'm making, I'm still making decent money here. Um, it's easy. But I looked out like two, three years into the future and I'm like, well, what is this going to look like? Yeah. Is, I don't see there be, it, at best, it's what it is now. Yeah. At anything else, it's worse than it's where it's now. Hmm. So I had, I knew at that point, I was like, I can't do this any longer. I need to take action and get out of here. So, I decided, and this was kind of funny, cause talk about one year career. Yeah. I started, I decided at the time, I'm like, I'm gonna spend one year to learn a new big skill and I'm gonna do this every year of my life. And I just happened to have some interest because like popular science and all, I'd seen like, oh, computer programming. It's something that everybody might do in the future. Every kid's gonna learn how to do it. And I was like, it seems like everybody's talking about it. Maybe I should learn it. So I decided I'm gonna teach myself how to program. And I started online with a bunch of free courses, started to read some things. And I was getting more like, yeah, this is fun. Like I can see myself getting into this maybe just as a hobby, but it's still fun. And I had one really like frustrating week at work. And I just remember I got an email, but you wanna talk about great timing for product placement and like targeted ads, General Assembly hit me with just like the right time for like, we have a WDI course, like a web development immersive. And I remember looking at that and be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do this. It's my style of learning. Like three weeks or three months, because for those that don't know, the program is you're in there for three months, head down, morning till night. You're all you're doing is learning to code and learning the program.
0: Yeah, you can tell with the students what part of the program they're in because about halfway through, they all just start to look like zombies, and they're all in the universe, uh, the the uniform of the hoodie and the jeans and the t-shirt, and just like the the zombies and hoodies basically we're like All right, that's when we needed to come up with something fun to do for the students we're like they're dying <laughs> they're in code
1: oh right <laughs> so on with that I didn't feel like I felt like there was a constant cloud over my brain and I just people would I haven't talked to in a while would have a conversation with me and they'd be like this guy just he's so he can't even hold a conversation I couldn't hold a conversation my brain was so fried at the end of that program
0: it's a lot it's a lot, so, I call it an immersive for a reason. Uh, that you are fully immersed in that education. Well, because 90 days is a very short period of time mm-hmm. to be able to learn an entire new la- languages because it's not mm-hmm. even just one language, it's multiple. I never got into it, It was my brain does not work that way. And I very quickly was like, nope, not for me, moving on. But yeah. Yeah,
1: um, I, I, the funny thing is at the end of the program, I told myself, well, I'm gonna take a week off of programming to relax. And the the very next morning I woke up after finishing the program, I pulled out my laptop and started programming. And I was like, oh, this, maybe this is for me. Maybe I should look at this. Cause I had no intentions to turn it into a career when I did that. But now I was like, I still love it. So I decided, okay, well maybe I'll look at some local meetups. I'll just go hang out with the crowd and see what's happening. And I remember going to one meetup and this is where a lot of peers, like a lot of people were going to like Intros or like meet-and-greets for developers and I figured like that's where a bulk of the crowd's gonna be I don't know if I'm gonna stand out in that crowd. So I went to a it was like a node.js event Which is kind of a software a back-end software framework I went to this event that was pretty much for people that have been in the industry for quite a while and I was surrounded by people who ran companies who were the CTOs of companies who were uh, You know had worked in this industry for quite a while And it just, it just something clicked where it just felt like good old business, like good old networking, good old sales, sitting down with somebody buying their gold. And when I walked away from there, I ended up getting not only my next job, but my job after that connection at that night, one event led to two different job opportunities that would last me about three years, two and a half years.
0: I mean, shit. If that isn't a, was this a meetup?
1: It was a meetup. Yeah.
0: You know, I hate Meetup and I love Meetup because I think <laughs> the only reason I hate Meetup is the marketer in me because you can't collect emails from people that attend Meetups. However, they are so great. If you've never gone to meetup.com, it is the place where everybody is self-described, you know, they, they say, yes, I am into this one super specific topic. Who else is with me? And some groups have 10 people, some have thousands upon thousands, but it is one of the best ways to find your people, you know, find the people that are interested in the very nuanced random ass topic that you are. Or, you know, if you're new to a city, I always say meetups are one of the best places to go to meet people and network Mm -hmm. because like, as it relates to networking, were you going that night to try and find a job? No. Exactly, right? Like the people that go to quote unquote networking events, that's the blind leading the blind. Everybody there is there for the same reason, right? So nobody's there to be helpful. You did something so smart, which was look at two options and think, okay, everybody going to this intro one or this meetup is going to be kind of in my same situation. Whereas this one seems like it's going to have people that are different from me where I'm going to be the odd one out. And that can feel incredibly scary, obviously to people as well. But because of that, it wasn't you know a thousand fishermen one fish. It was the opposite, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And you happen to be the fisherman, and there was a whole like gigantic <laughs> pile of fish that didn't even know that they were. You didn't even know you were going fishing. You just were like, I don't know, I'm just going to go do this, but I want to be the the different one here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's great. Like for listeners, and that's something that you've echoed, you know, in the past many times. Is, like the networking side of it, like just go when you don't have stakes. When the, there's nothing on the line, it's so much easier to network when you really aren't going in with. I need to do this. I need to make this connection happen. If you there's nothing on the line, you like when you don't have that pressure, you're just so much more natural and so much more likable to people. It's just it's one of those yeah, things. Yeah,
0: people can smell desperation from a mile away. Absolutely. And if you're That's going funny. in there, be like, "Hi, I'm Anthony. Um, I'm looking for a job in this, that, and the other." People are like, "Oh, he wants something from me." Oh, yeah. and people yeah, just put yeah, totally. upon. It's the same with sales, right? If you're like, "Hi, have you thought about doing this, that, and the other?" They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, bro! You <laughs> don't even know what I need." Mean.
1: It's, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's the same thing. Yep.
0: That's amazing. Do you remember, um, do you remember specifically connecting with those two people at that time? I night?
1: do. I still remember even some parts of the conversation.
0: And how, what, how did it flow naturally? Like for people that are out there listening, being like, sure, that sounds great. You got two jobs, like right. well, whatever, like what, what was, you know, I guess, what was your thought process even going in or even starting those conversations with those people? What do you think about the conversation and your approach made them not only remember you, but end up hiring you, you know, very soon after or down the
1: road. Some of the leading up to that before I even got to that phase, like one of the things that I've, I still do to this day is I practice when it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and I'll try to network and like have a conversation like at Starbucks with the barista or if I'm in line at the grocery store, it's, it seems weird and it's still, I'm never like quite comfortable. Like I'm going to talk to the person behind me and it's probably going to be weird or they might look at me like I'm a weirdo but you just do it and it's you realize like it's not so bad and if you fail and if they think you're ridiculous then you laugh about it you really like you'll have a drink later on and crack up and make a drinking game out of it i don't know but so practice is like something that i really am adamant about practicing that networking and i do it when there's literally it doesn't matter if i fail or not like there's no outcome win or lose so that helps me prepare so when i am in the situations where it could matter um Yeah. Like I just feel, you feel more comfortable. Like you just, it feels familiar to you. And going in with that, I also didn't really have an expectation of, I want a job. So that helps as well. It was more of a, I'm just going to listen to what others have to say. Cause I was like, you know, listening is people, if you listen to somebody for 10 minutes and ask them a few questions here and there, by the end of that conversation, they think they're like, I like this person a lot. They're really good to talk to. Yeah. It's the
0: easiest networking trick in the book. It's make people feel heard and seen because at the end of the day, we pretty much want love and we want to feel seen and heard. Every single person on this planet. And if they're acting out or they're, you know, being a dickhead, it's probably because they're in a deficit of either of those two things.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Man. So. And it's funny, you said the the practicing when you don't need to. It's almost like you're you're like working out your bravery muscle in a way, and you know you're constantly exercising it and exercising it when you don't need to be brave. So when you do, it's like, yeah, no big deal. I've got huge bravery muscles. Who fucking cares? Like it's all good. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to like having to forcefully be brave in that one scenario where everything's on the line and it counts, you're going to be a weakling. Like you haven't been practicing, you haven't been working right. out. Like it's absolutely. It doesn't work that way. So I think that's brilliant advice. Like do hard things when you don't need to, so that when you do have to, it doesn't feel as hard.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and I hope the listeners, like anybody out there who's like, yeah, that's still like, it's, it's just not me to be that outgoing of a person. It's a hundred percent something you can practice and you can get better at. Like I was terrible at sales. I was was terrible. I was afraid of my own shadow from that inferiority complex of never having an edge, like an education, but you just, you get better at it. And it, it never quite goes away. Like you'll still have anxiety. Like I still have anxiety when I do events and, but you just learn to be like, I know what's on the other side of this. I just have to get there. So don't stop, like just push yourself and it's try, like give it a shot. And it's funny, like have a laugh, like have a laugh with your good friends after, like if you fail, that's fine because at least you have a funny story to tell.
0: This is true. I mean, and there's your silver lining also. It's like, screw it. Like, yeah, I tried talking to the lady behind me in the grocery store line and she like refused to even look (laughs) at me and I just stood there talking to myself. But it's going to be over so soon. It's okay. Like, you're not going to die from those situations. We do way harder things in life than open up a conversation with a stranger. Like we're so afraid of other people who are also afraid of other people (laughs) who are also afraid of other people. Like we're all just in our own heads and judging ourselves so harshly that it's almost never you being judged. It's that person, you know, and I guarantee you, whether they respond to you or engage in a conversation with you or not, they leave that interaction thinking about that interaction. They leave thinking like, wow, that was odd, but I enjoyed it. Or, wow, what a nice guy. Like a stranger smiled at me and looked me in the eyeballs and like acknowledged my presence behind them. How many times are we on public transportation or standing in a line somewhere and we're mere inches from another human being and we don't even acknowledge that they're there? It's the weirdest thing to me. Like when you walk past somebody on a sidewalk and they actively look down or away, it's like, I'm not, I'm not scary. Why can't you like have a half second of a connection with somebody and acknowledge like, this is crazy, right? This whole thing, this whole life thing's wild. Yeah, cool. Okay, bye. See ya. (laughs)
1: That's such a cool way to put it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's so cool.
0: People just want to be seen. And Mm -hmm. if you can make them feel seen, they will remember you forever. Even if they are like, yeah, that's rando in the grocery store line, (laughs) like looked at me and talked to me, but like I felt good after. (laughs) And maybe they'll do it to somebody. And it really is that kind of transaction. Okay. So what were these, these two jobs that you got from that one freaking event?
1: The one freaking event. The first one was a software startup. And so I had a huge fear going into this because I was doing so well, like at the gold company, everybody knew me. I was kind of somebody that the whole company like would ask me questions and they'd come to me and I had such a big sizable role in that company. And now I'm in software and I will say I was uh, very scared of the fact that I've all in all the years past, like a lot of my skills, like, yeah, they did transfer. And each time I knew like, okay, cool, they did. This time I was like, but it's software. I'm no longer, like I'm communicating with a computer now. I'm sitting down and not talking with humans anymore. I don't know how this is going to work out. Like I was really worried that that wasn't going to work out and without a doubt there was challenges to that when it's when I first got there and I started learning I felt like just a like brand new kid out of school like it, it felt kind of like starting at the very bottom yeah. with no experience but it didn't take long before it looked a little different the industry but I started to make those connections where it's like oh okay this is kind of similar to an, like a situation that I've handled before okay I got this and I, I just would Busting my ass to learn coding because it's when you, when you first learn a new skill or something that's drastically different, you definitely have to put in that effort. Like you just have to hit the books, hit the, whatever it is, you just got to dive into it and spend a lot of time. But once I started to do that and I was starting to gain my confidence to get my feet, you know, start to get my footing on this, then I was like, okay. And it allowed it opened up the opportunity for me to uh, use the skills that I did have. So I got, uh, did that for about a year as most startups do, they ended up uh, running out of money and stopping paying their employees. They like stopped paying their employees.
0: Yeah. That's always fun.
1: Always fun. So it's
0: like, Oh, that was, I didn't know that was my last paycheck. Well, I would have done things differently had I known. Yeah, that was-
1: <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't have worked <laughs> the next four weeks without a paycheck, not knowing <laughs> I wasn't going to see it. Yeah. Um, so that's a sour spot, but you know, Hey, that's, that's startup life at times, right? It is.
0: You know, it's the risk you take for potential huge rewards. Exactly.
1: exactly. That's why people do it. And that, it did lead me though, during that time, like that was cool because I had kept, and this is another important thing is I kept my contacts warm throughout that. Even when I had a job and I was content with that job at the time, it's, there's so much value in keeping your network informed. And because in a case that you do like, oh, I just lost my job. I need to reach out to my network. Like if you just come out of the blue after two years, and you're like oh hey how's it going oh are you guys hiring oh cool like it's so fake and cheesy yeah. like that's a hard way to do it and like you said people spot that right away so they spot the desperation so this thankfully i had just kept in touch with this guy who was the owner um uh, philippe you probably even know him philippe lewicky he's based in la um he's a very eccentric and awesome guy but We ended up talking and he's like, well, look, we're hiring people. You should at least come in and interview or talk to my developers and see we're doing some cool stuff. We're expanding. So I went in and even more intimidated because these were really like hardcore, like smart. Uh, Everybody in the office was very great at what they did. I was surrounded by people that was somewhat intimidating, but it ended up working out. They offered me it and uh, yeah, it was fun. I got to work on some really just a weird variety of projects from drone racing to uh, we did some stuff for the entertainment industry with like big name movies. We got to build some software, mobile apps for them. Um, and then that's what introduced me to augmented reality, which now became like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to be doing at that's least the now, full circle right?
0: thing, right? The immersive experiences for people to take them out of their shitty reality. Heck if yeah. That's the case.
1: Heck yeah. And that's where like, the, and is everybody's familiar with augmented reality? I mean, I, that's probably something that I, I think. out
0: for them real quick. Cause they may not be.
1: Augmented reality, it's it's basically you're putting digital content in the real world around you. It's
0: Pokemon Go. If anybody played Pokemon I'm grateful for Pokemon Go because it it opened up the majority of people's eyes to what AR actually was, augmented reality. So you hold say let's just use your phone. You hold up your phone and what you see on your phone mirrors reality but also has that digital content layered yep. on top of it. So as you're walking down the street looking for Pokemon, you're <laughs> seeing the street but you're also seeing the little Pokemon on your screen. So Bingo. it's kind of a blending yep. of those two realities.
1: Exactly, and Snapchat's another great example. Yes. You, you, If you've ever used a filter, you tap the screen, it recognizes your face, you get bunny ears, that's augmented reality. They
0: are. yeah. So.
1: But uh, like there are practical apps for it. the translation app. You can download like translation apps. So if you're in a foreign country with a foreign language, you look around and all the signs are in a different language. You hold up your phone and in real time, it translates cool. to English. Awesome, right?
0: I mean, that's what I always wish my superpower was, being able to speak every language on earth so you could go anywhere and not feel scared. And you kind of can now. It's yeah,
1: so cool. It's cool, right? It's yeah, totally awesome. it helps awesome. you
0: survive the real world. So how are how are, well, first of all, how did you go from going into GA's you know, web development immersive, where you had no technical background in this sort of thing, to now you're a chief technology officer, <laughs> which is the highest role you <laughs> have in a company. Like you are the head tech guy. Where, where did that jump come from?
1: That jump happened when I, after I got the taste of AR and realized that I was seeing something that was gonna be, it's gonna be massive. It's gonna affect every industry. Um, I, I, saw the value there because I mean, the matter it's, it's easier to name industries that it won't touch than it is to name them because it's going to be everywhere. Um, it just kind of a quick examples would be like, they have, uh, uh, like museums for teaching. They'll start to have AR in museums where instead of just looking at a T-Rex, like you have glasses on and the T-Rex comes alive and you get to see it eating or hunting in real life, real scale which if you can imagine what that'll do for like kids and how it inspires people to want to learn more Talk about
0: learning styles, like that will tap that will ignite so many more children to be excited about learning versus. Uh, Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So like that's a cool example. They're using it in healthcare to help train like surgeons so they can see in a real environment and overlay like what they're going to look for when they see a surgery happening in real time. So there's so many awesome uses. Um, L'Oreal is huge into this. So in the makeup business, it's almost like Snapchat, but you can see what like lipstick, eyeliner, all that looks like. So it kind of great for sales and marketing as well, right?
0: It helps people envision something that they can't a lot of the times. I'm a terrible, I'm really bad at walking into a room and imagining all the possibilities of the room. I kind of need to see it. I love that. Like Lowe's, I think had an AR app or something Um, for a while there, they did an activation where, yeah, you could walk around your house and be like, okay, what would this paint color look like? What would, you know, this piece of furniture look like? Mm -hmm. What would these physical changes look like in reality? I think it's, I'm so excited for that to be part of pretty much every company's app and every, I mean, I'm still even thinking app wise, like forgetting about glasses and more fully immersive experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you, you fell the, in love with this whole fell in
1: love. industry. Once I had a taste of it and, and I looked around and I would talk to people about it and I was like, they're not, a, they don't, they're not as excited as I am. Are you kidding me? Are you seeing what this can do? And I had like, we got this AR headset from Microsoft a couple years back. And when it's just mind blowing what it could do. And that's when I was like, I have to be a part of this industry. And this is where it helped to leading up to this, how I got a CTO role. Like the, the thing that you, you, when I got into software and I got my first and second job, like I was working with people that had written software from the day they were born. Like they had been doing like JavaScript for 15 years, very, you know, and here I am just learning it for the first time. And I'm competing with people that have 15 years experience. That's tough. Yeah. but within a year of working on augmented reality, like I've had a couple years of software development experience, but now I'm developing for AR hardware. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, you should reach out to Anthony, he's an expert in that. And I'm like, I'm an expert? Like I just started coding like three, four years ago, and people are calling me an expert. And that's where like, that's the value in finding that niche like area but just going in all in on it and becoming like learning much about it and understanding how, not just the technical details, but understand how it's going to affect the people that you're going to end up talking to and your audience. And to me, like all of a sudden people were calling me an expert at this and I was like, I got to run with this. Like, I can't let this go. Like, so I started doing freelance work, which that introduced me to uh, contract work consultant, um, It turns out, yeah, using the word consultant ended up boosting the pay a little bit. So I like to say consultant.
0: (laughs) Me too, Uh, buddy. Me too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've discovered it. That's great. So, (laughs) So I was doing jobs from random jobs from working on like a guy who's a DJ who was using AR to cue up music in live performances. It's awesome. Another company, they do haptic feedback for VR. So basically you reach out and your hand it uses sound but it feels like you're touching a real object when there's nothing there and it convinces the brain when you see it in AR and VR that you're touching so something wild. so like these were the projects I was working on I was like damn this is pretty odd like I went from not doing any software to this in just a few years just because I found like a niche that nobody was filling, and it was just starting to just start to go and then I threw Basically, I saw this YouTube video. I was looking at cool things that people have done with AR, and there was this construction company in Los Angeles who had built an entire bathroom using just the HoloLens. Like, they assembled the frame of a bathroom using only the HoloLens. And I'm like, yes. And uh, sorry, the HoloLens is Microsoft's headset version. So it's augmented reality glasses. But I saw them build that, and I'm like, hell yeah, this is perfect. Like, that's amazing. They just constructed something using no blueprints, no PDF file. That's
0: crazy. Just a
1: hammer, nails, wood and this ar device and i reached out to the guy who posted the video and he happened to be living in los angeles i was like hey let's meet for coffee i love ar i love what you're doing i'd love to just talk more about your company a couple coffee talks later he was like well look we're doing a lot we're outsourcing all this work we'd like to do it internally are you interested in doing some work for us and that led to consulting for this construction company uh, doing that for a while. We decided we had a lot of value there. They, The relationship was great. I liked the contracting part of it because it, we got to test each other out. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a contractor for a long time. I'm enjoying this freedom. And I love the fact that like, I can do what I want when I want and everything. But then it was like, look, we really love your work. We're excited to be working with you. We have, you know, and they made a really good offer. And I was like, I'm loving what I'm doing. I still have all the freedoms. They've not, none of this in." Um, They're allowing me to move wherever I want. And basically, here I have a chance to really have a say on everything technology that we do moving forward. So I took the role as CTO.
0: And here we are. Here we are. Is there anything coming down your own personal career pipeline that you're like, oh, I think that's going to be next. And it doesn't even mean like leaving this company. Is there anything that's kind of starting to tap you on the shoulder as an opportunity that you're wanting to explore more or teach yourself? Because I mean, if we're looking at your patterns and they're similar to mine, there is somewhat of an expiration date on once you've mastered something, right? Or once you've reached a certain level, you start to get the itch and you start to think, okay, I need to, I need to do something again to, to kind of Uh, hit that newbie zone that feels really fun to learn in? Like, is there anything, and and this is obviously a a field that's constantly changing and evolving in front of your very eyes. So perhaps this question is moot, but yeah, is there anything starting to interest you?
1: Well, talk about circling back. Yeah, I wanna be like the poor man's Disney Imagineer. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to build an experience for people in AR that just blows their mind. Something that you can experience at home. So if you're not fortunate enough to live on one of the coasts, you get that experience in your own home and it's so convincing and you'll have that same emotional grasp and mm-hmm. that eye-opening magical experience when you have AR. So it uh, could be a passion project, could be a future opportunity down the line, uh, probably be a passion project for the time being, but gives me an excuse to just build fun stuff, right? Man,
0: well this has been so fun. I'm so glad that I got to have you on. I think there were I don't even know what I'm going to call this episode or how I'm <laughs> going to describe it because there were just so many good nuggets of wisdom and like life learning lessons and I'm just super excited to have you on in like 5 years to be like, "Man, okay, let's have another hour plus conversation about what's happened in these 5 years because I have no doubt that it's going to continue to get cooler and cooler and I feel like you keep knowing yourself a little bit more with every job you've had and You know, you're building on this massive skill set that you perhaps didn't even mean to have, but here you are. And yeah, it'll be really cool to see how you weave them all together in the future.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me too. This was a lot of fun. I hope people got something out of this. And it wasn't just like, wow, this dude just talks about himself. Like that's a fear. So hopefully <laughs> the
0: podcast is. Oh my
1: gosh. Hopefully <laughs> there's some nuggets in there that people can use. I really hope so. Oh um, no,
0: there totally are. I'm so excited to listen back, even because it was like, you know, I feel like we were we were verbally high-fiving the entire time. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, and Anthony, I, oh god. Thank
1: you though. I was just gonna say thank you very much. And it's and you really do know your stuff. This was fun because you, you definitely like, I've discovered things on this last hour connecting the dots in my own career. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I have done that because of this. So thank you.
0: Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Anthony. Bye guys. Talk to you later.